he'd been in Miami for three and a half weeks. No. We have it, yeah. So he come back, we do we re we repeat the scan, it's like the duttiest sky you know. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everybody, I'm Ben Foster. Welcome to another Fozcast. Today I've got my mate Tomasi next to me. How are you, mate? All good, mate. How are you? I'm okay, I'm okay. I'm still a little bit injured, nothing major, but um, I'm getting there. Along? It's okay, I've just been for another scan today. It's kind of... Um, Actually, it's a good, it's a good job. We the, the guy that we're talking to today, we can we can bring him in in a second because he will have a lot more information about it than what I know. But it's basically a little kind of hamstring, um, glute, tendon tear, something or other. It's a little bugger. It hurts. I'm getting old, and I think these things just take longer. So I can say, oh, that sounds nasty. But now we introduce someone that can add proper insight. Exactly, exactly. So the guy that we are talking to today, who at the tender age of 27 became the Premier League's youngest first team doctor. I know him as Doc. To everybody else, he is Matt. Ogunsanya. Matt Ogunsanya. We have just practised that. We have practised that. It went completely out of my head. Doc, how are you doing, mate? No, I'm absolutely great. Uh, Buzzing, buzzing to be here. Good to see you again as well, obviously. Yeah, um, wicked. Yeah, and also everyone calls me Doc anyway. So Yeah, you are you are known. I, I literally don't call you Matt. I don't call you anything other than Doc. So before we start, Doc, right, before yeah, we get on. into the actual talk and about my injury and anything else and all this other stuff, yeah. we always start with a little bit of like a, an icebreaker questions, right? So we've actually got two icebreaker questions now. The first one okay. is, which is completely off of what we're about <laughs> we're trying to talk about medicine we're trying to talk about health. like health and all this kind of stuff but the question is if you had to pick three people dead or alive to go out on the lash with who are your three people to go out with you're in pub club whatever you so, want to do so th- wait so is this is this a, a nice sort of quiet no no no, no it's carnage out. you're having it yeah night carnage out. night out night out meeting up going for going a big one going out and drinking one. beers yeah but you know it's like you know alright okay uh Hmm. Anyone, okay, anyone high profile, dead or no, alive? No, not high profile, anyone. Any. Dennis Rodman. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's the best yet. Dennis that's Rodman. The best if you've watched The Last Dance, yeah. what a guy. Loose cannon. Well, honestly. That's world class, though. Honestly, yeah. I'd probably take Carmen Electra along as well. He's, oh, yeah. my okay, gosh. Okay, okay, right, let's go for the, for the triple threat now. Who are we going to finish um, it off? What if. You know what? Gen. If we're going with people, people and things that I like, it would be between a comedian or a magician. Come, Come on then. Yeah. Um, comedian would be Will Ferrell. Just love his movies. Brilliant. And you know, he, he kind of, he's got that rogue streak about him in his yeah. movies. They kind of go off and I think he'd be good. Old good, school. I watched good. it last night. Frank so, the Tank. You know yeah. what I mean? He's, just, he's got that sort of like raw comedy energy. And <laughs> Frank the, the Tank. You know what I mean? Yeah. You watched that last night. Old school. Unbelievable film. Yeah. Unbelievable film. I want to hear the magician. This is incredible, uh, by the way. You're, you've been the best yet, by the way. This is you've the best won yet. Already. Um, magician, anyone who's just. Don't say Paul Daniels. <laughs> I'm, I'm, magic. Thinking, I'm thinking Dynamo or someone like that. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, nice. So the thing is, magicians at the best of time, you don't know what they're going to bring to the table. So people seem to give them a hard time. I think they're great. But after a few pints, you don't. They're making pints disappear. They're making yeah. shots. <laughs> I shots can do that. Yeah. We can do that. 
Okay, so we've never done a ranking system on our um, three people to go you out won, with. Though. But you are definitely at the top, okay? Dennis, Dennis Rodman won it on his own. class. Dennis Rodman, Carmen Electra, Will Ferrell, and maybe even Dynamo in the mix. <laughs> right, so so with Dennis Rodman, uh, I, I'm guessing, piecing it together here. So on Instagram, you're known as Doc in the Arena. Indeed. And I was trying to figure out, me and Ch- Fozzie were chatting and going, Doc in the Arena, Sports Arena, where, where's that come from? Oh, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, that's come from basically, um, it's something LeBron James goes on about quite a lot and I follow basketball quite co- closely and it's based on the concept of like the man in the arena. So that's like, it's a part of a speech that he uses to help motivate himself where essentially he talks about being the man in the arena and blocking out all like the haters and people that are criticizing him because he's the one actually doing the stuff. So athletes such as yourself and people putting themselves out there are the man in the arena and saying, you know, they should be applauded for putting themselves out there. So I remember at the time when I was going to start the YouTube, I was a bit apprehensive because I was like, oh, you know, I'm a doctor. Should I really be putting myself out there? I'm in sort of a high profile-ish job. And then it kind of came to my head. I was like, man in the arena, doc in the arena. And I just thought, I'll oh, go with it. You know what I mean? You can't, can't overthink these things. So I just sort of said, go for it. Yeah. I think that flashed through my head a little bit. I'm a footballer. Should I be doing this YouTube thing? But then I thought, nah, sod it. We're doing it. <laughs> Literally exactly the same yeah. thing. Well, you said earlier on, whose brainchild was GoPro in the goal? And I'd love to say it was mine, but it wasn't. And you you said, we talked about it on the last podcast, said, I'm doing it. And we were like, Okay, it's a banger though, isn't it? Dark? It's, it's nice. Banger, like, on the best things, on the best things on YouTube. You were actually one of the people that encouraged me. You probably it's the type of thing that you probably don't even remember. Like, do you remember when I started doing the videos yep. in the training ground? And I, sh- I don't know if I showed you or someone else showed you it, and everyone else was kind of winding me up. But Foz was like, "No, this is quite, this is wicked. Actually, this is all right." It was I- nice. It's a way we'll, we'll talk about YouTube in a minute, but quickly to let you know, guys. So Doc has his own YouTube channel where, if a if a if a real kind of massive sports star name, it doesn't even have to be massive, really, but anybody in the sporting world, sporting arena, gets a really bad injury on field, in play, in front of the world, watching world. Um, you will basically break it down, tell you exactly what has happened yeah. and the prognosis for it, what their kind of rehab's going to be, what the timelines, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's super informative, guys. So if you haven't if you haven't been over to Doc's channel yet, get yourself down in the description, in the link in the description down below. It will take you to his, his class, honestly. It's really informative. You've had a banger as well, didn't you? The Conor McGregor one. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know where that came from, but that, I liked it. That was a good video. How many yeah. views you got on that now? That's coming up to 600,000. It's so nice, stuff. Yeah, that was a decent yeah, one. It's yeah, nice, stuff. It's, it's nice. Good. And also, sorry, but while we're on the topic of icebreaking, I just need to ask your first ever teenage crush. Oh, God. Um, Britney Spears. Britney Spears. <laughs> like, That's it, yeah. I, is, yeah. Like, I mean, uh, you can't disagree with that, no? Well, how old are you, Doc? 31? I'm 31, yeah. So I reckon I was 17 or 18 so when she, it was released, so... And, yeah, you're five, six, you know, and she was dressed as a schoolgirl, and at the time, obviously, being in school, that was normal. Now, looking back, oh, that's, nah, that's fine. Oh, don't you worry about that. Don't you worry about it. Right, so, yeah. all right, let's move on. Okay, so, um, it's just been the transfer deadline. It's just passed. You've been, um, obviously, a, a Premier League doctor for, how long were you at Watford for? Four years? Four years. Until so, you're a Premier League yeah, doctor at, at Watford for four years. You must have dealt with a lot of transfers, ins and outs, Yep. How stressful is that deadline day when you have to get deals over the line and people are basically waiting on you to give it the green light? Extremely stressful. It's a lot of fun though. It's like it's like kind of a good stress because like obviously you kind of like the chaos. fact. Yeah, it's it's total chaos, which is you know you you get to you get you get used to dealing with it and you do enjoy it because obviously you're the one who kind of knows 
what's going on apart from like the people making the transfer. You mean what you. stage it's at? What yeah, stage exactly, the deal is you know? at? Okay, yeah. Um, and normally you kind of know it's going to go quite well. The moment you, so basically what kind of happens is that um, out of the blue, you'll get a message or you'll get called into a room and they say, okay, there's this player we want to do a medical for, right? So then you go and do something called like due diligence. So right away you go back and you look at their availability. So that's like the number one thing. Basically, are they playing already? Yeah. So if they're playing already, there's like an 80% chance that they're going to pass the medical. So already you're kind of relaxed and you're just looking forward to getting it done and add your and adding your part. Um, so that's good. But, what the problem is when you when you hit a snag because when you hit a snag all of a sudden then the pressure's on when you when you examine someone you're like oh that knee's a bit swollen actually or that MRI's a bit have you have you come across a couple of them yeah oh yeah a couple really oh, a proper, I've had an I've had an awkward one once where um you've had a player that I think pretty much it's it's like an awkward when the club really want to sign someone yeah. and you're like well you can sign them but I can't change what I've seen. The moment you've seen it, you can't <laughs> so, understand so it. So at this point, the club have agreed a fee with the other club. The player's there. The player's the player, on the training ground. player knows that the deal is, is close to being completed. Yeah. He is, he's on his way to, well, not he's not on his way. He's, he's there. there. He's, he's, there. Getting, he's, he's getting ground. looked at by you right now. And then you're chatting to them and they're like, oh, you, know, you know, I've come down here looking forward to it. You're building a rapport and then you see one thing or you get, a, you get the email through the scan and you're like, you're like looking at the player like, <laughs> so you've got the keys to the kingdom really because if you've got the chief exec going Doc how are we getting on or whoever it is going are we done and the players there going yeah I'm ready and you're like Uh-oh. that's not keys to the that's pressure that's serious it's pressure it's horrible but you can't you can only do your best but it's like like you say you can't change the truth can you you can't change the truth but it does it, it's it's a difficult day. Like norm, like most players, you know, fit playing. You're transferring one club to another, no issue. But it's when you hit those snags on transfer deadline day, people are asking, you know, this needs to get done by this time. Okay, oh wait, now now we need to go and see a specialist. They're like, oh, they're they're rumbling and ahhing you. They're basically having sort of like they're being like really passive aggressive. And you're like, listen, the guy's knee is the size of a grapefruit. It is what, what it is. Yeah. Like, what do you want me to do? Well, but like, it's it's a yeah, it's a nice pressure, but it's. Uh, one hell of a day. It's interesting though, Doc, because like I look at it over the years and you hear lots of stories as a fan and you hear about players that kind of limp through training and they just get ready for match day. And and yeah. as a doc, you must be like, the documented one was Ledley King. It was like, yeah. oh, he didn't train for the last seven years of his career or whatever. Obviously he was at Spurs, but if you get someone, surely that it must be a slight kind of scenario where it's like, well, they kind of soldier on yeah, to a point. But yeah. when you're buying million pound, 10 million pound, 20 yeah, million pound yeah. players, you can't take that risk. Well, you know what? I'm glad you mentioned that because you make a good point. It's like, what it is, is... So, because some people, like my friends will ask me, oh, have you passed this person's medical? Have you failed this person's medical? It's not actually like that. It's basically giving information that will help the club decide. So you might, you might see a player and you might think, okay, you're talking to a specialist, you've seen the scan. This player... You've already done your due diligence. You see he can play. Like by hook or crook, some reason he's been playing 80% of the game. So we can't say he's unfit. He's clearly fit. But what it means, might what it might mean is, okay, I wouldn't advise giving him a five-year contract. I'd advise ah, maybe a okay. two-year contract and see how he is with, with an option. So it might change. Like so you're sort of, not. Your, it's, it, it's facts basically. Yes, so if, facts. if something's flaring up on the scan, if something's obvious there in front of your eyes, it will change the kind of the length of contract and even the contract terms, how much wages he might be on. He might, at this point, the club might want to structure it slightly different where they'll say, right, okay, we're going to give you a slightly less basic wage, 
But if you play... Appearances. Yeah, your appearance fee will be higher. That's what you're saying. Exactly, exactly. So it's a it's it's one of those things where you you have to be honest. You just have to give your opinion and see and see what happens, basically. It's very... I think there's been one player where I've sat down and I've said, I think this could be a very difficult, might be quite a risky signing. You just give your risk assessment, basically. Yeah, yeah. And then I think the club said, oh no, we'll we'll wait until January. Do you ever think, do you ever think there's ever been a player that's come and he's obviously like got in bits and he can't play and whatever and he's gone to the dock? Just get it over the line. I'll give you a bag of cash. I've got, <laughs> I've got twenty grand in the car. Please yeah. get it over the line, Doc. Come oh, on. You get, you get a lot of players who who are like, it's all right, yeah. It's all good, yeah. It's yeah. all good. Oh, I've had that for a while, and then you're like, <laughs> have you but, have you ever kind of had someone like on a like a transfer deadline or something like that, where a, a player's coming from medical and you've looked up one look at it and gone. Fucking wow! The hell is this guy even playing football? Yeah, loads, loads. To be honest, like footballers, they put their bodies for a lot. Like you know, if you're playing anyone over the age of maybe 28, 29, you start seeing signs of wear and tear, and you're like, minute. And that's because they've like, been wow. playing because they've got a lot of miles on the clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Simple, simple. Because I've got a theory, and I, 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 it's it's not theory really. I don't know what it is, but when you look at the wonder kids that yeah. come through, Michael and Wayne Rooney, a lot of them by 31 to burnout are, are kind of done at their absolute peak and is that just because they broke on so early and it's the demands of the game well I guess in the sense that like we when we like assess risk we look at it as injuries per game or per thousand hours like that's how we like kind of okay. a- analyse it so if you're thousand hours at the highest level if you've got more your risks are going up so you, if you get a knee injury at 17, 18, okay, you've seen the youngsters, they can bounce back easily, but then the damage is in the knee. So at 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, it just gets more difficult. And furthermore, as you said, like if you've got injured early doors and you play through that because you want to play through that and this, that and the other, you're the star, you're starting this, that and the other, but you're dealing with that same pain at 30, 31 where actually your minutes might be coming down or you felt you've achieved everything you need to achieve, then once the, the psychological and the physical level starts to come down, then then you're kind of, I don't like using the word done because everyone's got like a place or a level, but- You're not what you were. You're not what you were. And yeah. like, obviously, you know, like to play at the highest level all the time to take all that pressure, you need a lot in the tank. You need a lot in the tank. So, so yeah, I, th- I think starting earlier is a risk factor for- um, Finishing earlier. Yeah, you see, you know, great players, Joe Cole, this, that, and the other, like started early, superstar, injury, 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 and then by early 30s, quite difficult for them. One th- I'll tell you one thing quickly, Doc, I've noticed as well is a lot of a lot of our, the younger players that you seem to get through, even so just talking about Watford, for example, you get a lot of players that will come up through the academy, then they get to train with the first team. Yeah. And when they, they, They'll, it's almost like for the first couple of weeks, they're, they're so, their adrenaline's absolutely buzzing and they, they, they're really good. They're really, really good. And then you'll have a little bit of a lull where they're a little bit off it. And then it's almost like it's a given that they'll get an injury. They'll get, and they, they, they do, they get some monster injuries, like yeah. massive hamstring tears, massive, like cruciates, ankles, all is, sorts is of it. Is why when you talk about players breaking through, like, I don't know, like Mason Greenwood when he came through and people like that, this whole thing of, we're, we're gently integrating them. We'll get, just drip feed them in. Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah, it, it is. But at the same time, what you got to appreciate is academy football to first team football. When you're in first team football, it's about the outcome. You know what I mean? So 
it'd be nice to say, oh, Mason, you're, you're quite a good player. Give him 20 minutes here, 30 minutes, build up. But the reality is if you're, tra- if you're scoring and training, we want you to do that out on the pitch. I don't know if like, I don't know if you agree, but like from a sort of backroom staff point of view, it's like, okay, if you're good enough, you're good enough. You're in. Yeah, um, once you're in so, the first team, you're in the first so, team and that's it. You're you're the same as everybody else. If you're called upon on a Saturday afternoon, you you're doing a job. And, and every club's different as well. Like you say about Mason Mount there, Chelsea have probably three or four Mason Mounts, but of, Greenwood, of a different, United, yeah, of a different really age group kind of thing. They've got different players like that who can still do the job on a Saturday. You know, if you're one of these up and coming young players at a smaller club, you're one of the best players in the team you're needed to do it so yeah. you are just getting it's not, you're not getting flogged but you are a little bit you are, aren't you you're getting not, chucked out there to do it because they're not putting you on because oh you know we, we really like you and we want you to be no, yeah. you got, we need three points that's it so we're yeah, putting yeah. you on to score it's what about the burnout thing so so when you talk about like Harry Kane there was a, a period when he did I think was it even he did two seasons where he did like the Euros or something he did the mm. under 21s or whatever and he went on then they did the Euros and he didn't have that sustained period and people are saying burnout need more players and then you talk about mid-season breaks I look at it and kind of think okay well they play uh, uh, and whatnot but how much rest do you need at that top level like do you need right I need a period of three or four weeks where I'm ticking over and you know, ticking over doing my fitness work in the off-season um, it's a, it's a good question. It's a good question because everyone needs rest psychologically even more. I so think psychologically is bigger than the yeah. actual resting your muscles. But, I do that because physically, yeah, I, I would say I'd agree because physically you can manage, you can manage throughout the week. A lot of players, teams manage their players throughout the week in one way or the other. Um, you know, you can't assume every single player is doing full training every single day. You know, they might be, you know, we do our best to manage them throughout the season, but at one point, you need to break the monotony. You need to break the stress cycle. Like some players might not feel it, but most players after a certain period, the expectations in the first team, particularly to perform, it's, it basically builds up what we call a stress cycle. So you, every day, as much as you're enjoying it, you feel that bit of stress, you feel that bit of pressure. And if you don't have breaks in that, you will burn out. And that's in any profession pretty much. So um, I'm, I'm to be honest with you, I'm surprised more top footballers don't burn out I think that's a credit to them, their resilience. And I think that's why only certain personalities and people make it to the top and have sustained runs at the top. Like, you kind of get what I'm saying? It's almost self-selecting. So on paper, Harry Kane probably does need the rest, the physical, the mental rest. But equally, he's kind of self-selected himself by the fact that he can perform every season, 30 goals. He's got a golden boot. He's got a pair of golden boots for every day of the week, isn't yeah. he? Like, World Cup golden boots. So, so friggin- you, you know what I mean? Those type of players, those type of individuals self-select themselves to the top. So it's a, it's a bit of a weird balance that on paper you should need rest. I think but- football get, footballers do get a, a, a tarnished with a bad rep sometimes some of it when you look at like the diving and stuff you go kind of okay but it's part of the game whether you like it or not but what interests me and we always talk about it is like retirement and when people stop playing what's that mean for them on a day-to-day but actually I you know I spent a bit of time with footballers and, and stuff that actually at 35 36 37 when you stop playing players that have had bad injuries you know they're 
In bits. 15 years older, 20 years older than what they actually are, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're in bits. They're, they're, like I say, I'm 38 years old and I have had a lot of injuries. And, you know, I, I say I do a lot of cycling, you know mm. that, Doc. And I would like to attribute the fact that I'm in pretty good shape still yeah, down yeah. to my cycling. But 100%. I do. I see a lot of 100%. I see a lot of footballers out there who are my age and like they've retired and they are in a bad way. Shrugging. They're stiff as a board. Backs are stiff, hammies, all New that kind of stuff. And knees yeah, and they put their weight on because they don't want to do the exercise because it hurts. It's, um, it's a vicious cycle, isn't it? It's... Is you're a hundred percent right, and honestly, um, it's something that I I try and think about now, like when I'm with players now, because I think when you're in it, like when you're in it, when you're match match match, there's certain things in certain times where you say to the player, um, consciously, subconsciously, or the coach, or whatever, says, right, okay, can you play through this? And the answer is yes, but is the question, should you play through this? Mm. Um, okay, can he come back in six weeks? Yeah, but actually if for each injury he had, he waited eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks. Okay, you lose six weeks there, but could that add three years to your career? That's so a lot of, that that, the pressure, that, that's the pressure from the, like the manager and the people above the manager there, isn't it? Yeah, like, and I think it's, it's a difficult one for me, but it's honestly something I talk to other colleagues about and think about, because it's like, when you, when you say to a player, okay, you can have this procedure now, you can have this injection now, and you kind of say, yeah, in the future, it could cause arthritis and you know, it's probably bad for your knees, but well, club, you can play now. Is that the club's, Worry? Should it be? Is it two different questions? Well, the club's worry versus the medical staff's worry. That's a that's another yeah, interesting yeah. question and debate, you know. But I I don't know. Like it's a good question to ask ask you. Like when you were like 25, 26 and someone's and you you've broken into the first team, you know, your manual, whichever, and someone says to you, okay, your knee's swollen, this, that, and the other. We could wait six weeks, twelve weeks, whatever, and try and get the swelling down, or we can drain it, give a steroid, and you can probably play on with no pain. When someone then mentions afterwards, I'm sure they do to you, oh, in the future, you know, it could be bad for your knees long term. You probably don't really. No, I, I don't know. I don't, this is where this is where the doctor of any football club has to. He he he. The players have to respect that doctor because they need to know that that he has. The, they the players need to know that the doctor has their best interests at heart, yeah. and he's looking after the player. Whereas you know for a fact that the not know for a fact, but a lot of clubs will put pressure on you to play because they need you to play. Well, they need you to perform. It's as simple as that. I watched uh, Wayne Bridge recently in an interview, and he said that he had had a, a really kind of tight or really whatever uh, I think it was hamstring or something yeah. and Mancini was saying to him you've got to play and he was like I, I don't think I should and he said he within the first 10 minutes he sprinted and like tore it yeah. yeah so and this is like, this is this is what I'm saying though the and it sounds bad like they're just sort of like put you out there and if you break and fail then all right cool you are uh, you were like struggling you're actually you know broken, I mean? yeah, yeah then yeah. we'll put someone in your place but no, I think this is this is where there's a lot of pressure comes from above you, and a, a lot of younger players in football they haven't got the they haven't got the know how, the ability, the experience to be able to say no, I'm I'm injured, I can't do this, I can't carry on doing. It. And this is where, like I say, you need to have the doctor in your corner, but it takes a strong person to be able to stand up to that manager, to that like chief exec or whoever it might be, saying and say no, he's he's going to break. If you do it, he'll break because they they can they can easily say no, I don't care. You say he's playing, or else you're out the door, and it, it yeah, literally it's, can it's, come down to that. It's a it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. Like I've been fortunate enough to not have like too too much pressure, but the reality is their job is about performances now. Everyone's on a 10 game, 15 game sort of timeline. Mm. That's particularly obviously where we are. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, so they, they have to think about that, but then the player has to think kind of, 
I don't know if they do because it depends on their situation, their contract situation, whatever, but they have to think about their life mm. going forward. And then the doctor's kind of in the middle. Um, but you have it both ways though. You'll have some players saying, no matter what, I'll, I'll, I'm playing. No matter what, I'm, I want to play. I want to get back in the team and this, that and the other. But, you know, once or twice, I've had players come up to me sort of privately and say, listen, I'd like to take my time with this because I think I've got three or four years left. I've got a daughter or a son at home and I want to be able to go skiing with them or play tennis with them. And I've seen other players who can barely walk after their career. I don't want to be that person. So it's it's a it's a tricky one. It's honestly a tricky one. And for me, I think it's about properly, as Ben said, like talking to the player, understanding what their wants and needs are. And I think the fairest thing any doctor or physio working in sport can do is at least give the proper information to the player. Not just say, yeah, we'll do this injection. Yeah, the side effects of this sort of bang through it. No, be like, listen, you've had this before. You've had this before. This will, you know, your knee's in a bit of a condition. The options are, we give you the steroid injection, we'll give you whatever. You come back in three weeks or you wait 12, 13 weeks to come down. This it's a, it's is, a, that's a massive difference in a season. For sure, for sure. This is where I think people, I think a lot of fans don't see that. Don't see the the person side of it. They see him as no, a player. No. They see him as a commodity. It's they're, they're a performer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, no, that person has a family, has a life. He has to think about after football, what he might be able to do, this, that and whatever. And these are where the decisions, they, they're really important. The right really. decision has to be made because it's really, really important. Just talk, sorry, just, I want to bring it back a minute ago because yeah. we were talking about, um, we we're talking about medicals. And I remember personally myself, when I was, I remember signing for Birmingham when I think I was 26 or seven. And um, my knee was really, I was in a really bad way because I had yeah. done, I had had two re uh, cruise ship reconstructions yeah. in my right knee, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'd had a couple of uh, sort of cartilage removals, all that kind of stuff. And um, I've gone for my medical at Birmingham. I was leaving Man United. I've gone for my medical at Birmingham okay. and um, it's flagged up a few bits and bobs and, you know, they were kind of like, well, to be fair, you fit. We've had a look at you like, and you look fine, blah, blah, blah. Cool. So past the medical. Yeah. Played a whole season at Birmingham and towards the end of the season, my knee was like, I was struggling a bit to be fair. Remember yeah, when you yeah. done it at yeah. uh, Liverpool? Yeah, that's we had yeah, to, me, a couple, me yeah. and Luke had to carry him, Bloody carry you into the training ground. Oh, it was in bits, yeah, it was massive, yeah. But, oh, so, but the next season I went to West Brom and I had to pass a medical there again. Mm. And in that year's space, I've done a re I've redone my medical and he's literally shown me the scan side by side and in the space of the year the deterioration in my right massive, knee honestly really? massive yeah massive yeah. and I remember him he was like yeah but you played all last year and he was like it feels fine though doesn't it I remember the doc saying it feels fine doesn't it and I was thinking well no actually it doesn't <laughs> but, it's like it's gonna but, but I wanted to sign for West Brom do you know what I mean I wanted to sign a three or four year contract yeah. at West Brom what are you going to say exactly so I remember him saying but it feels alright doesn't it and like I say I'd played literally every game last season I was like yeah it feels fine I don't I didn't feel any different but in the back of my head I'm thinking <laughs> get this over the line it's a four year deal up. takes you to 31-32 boom you, you know what I mean you're sorted after that he's Exactly, that's the thing. That's the type of dynamics. You got the you got the club saying, obviously you want to sign. The doctor can, you know, if that. Remember what I said about due diligence. You if if you've seen the players played all of last season, it's very difficult for you then to say to the club, "Oh, this player is not fit." It's very like an it's an unusual thing, a difficult argument. And then you've got the player who's like, "Well, I think my knee isn't in great condition, but what am I going to give up my just give up my career?" Yeah, yeah, mid, yeah. You know, in your prime. It's, Mate, it's, it's tough. And what, <laughs> it's tough. And what about like the advancements? Because you look at like, so Fozzie, you've had one player that sticks in my mind is Danny Ings. So when he was at Liverpool, he's done his. He was in bad way, wasn't he? Yeah. Came back for a month or two. You did it hear again. Danny Ings for a good two year years. and a half, two, two years. years. Yeah, it was two years. Yeah. And then you look at him and go, 
wow, and look at the look at the player he is. Yeah. And what the question I guess is is looking back ten years ago, fifteen years ago, would he have been finished in the game? Um, I know it's difficult. It's a difficult but one to say, but ten years, twenty years, twenty ago, years maybe. ago. 20 what years. I'm talking about is advancements. And- I've been playing twenty years though. <laughs> no, but you know what? Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, yeah, twenty five then. Yeah. Um, I think there's been a lot of advancements. I think there's been advancements in technology. Um, I don't know when you started your grid. Was there game ready? Game ready is no. Nope, we didn't have game about. ready. We we used to. What's you, a game ready? A game yes. ready, basically, guys. For people that don't know, it's it's. Um, I honestly think it's one of the best things. Honestly, if you've amazing. got bad joints, bad swollen knees, ankles, whatever it is, it's, it's the one thing that I couldn't have got to where I am without. Honestly, it's an icing machine, a compression and icing machine where you put ice in this machine um, and some water. It pumps it through a hose to a sleeve that you've attached over your knee or your yeah, ankle, so. like I say, whatever it is, and it will compress press the life out of it doesn't it it's incredible yeah. um, and freeze it at the same time it will take it gets rid of so much swelling it is it, they are absolutely they are, fantastic yeah. I remember when I did my knee cycling you bought one round you were going to play snooker Ben was going to play snooker and I'd yeah. done my knee um, cycling and he said um, I'll bring round this game ready machine ready for you he's coming through the door with this equipment like that and I was like what, the, what the hell is all this like <laughs> put it on and I was like it's absolutely, it feel like my leg's going to freeze and fall <laughs> off. It was a weird sensation. They, work, they proper work. Oh, they right, work. They're like free that. grand, to be yeah. fair. Like, they're expensive. <laughs> <You bought> one. <laughs> I've had to have one. I've had to have one, yeah. I had to have one. But this is the, bit, the side that people don't see, isn't it? Because, you know, you're diligent with your recovery and everything, and you used to use it regularly, didn't you? More, oh, if I play a game. maintenance. If I play a game now, I have to have the game ready on after the game, straight away. As soon as mm. the game's finished, I have to just put the game ready on the knees. Don't yourself out of your next contract just yet, mate. I Actually, no, my knee's fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can battle on like a like a loyal old soldier. I'm golden. I'm golden. Right, Doc. So, um, how does being a doctor happen? Do you know what I mean? Because for like me and you, me and you, Tom, for example, we we can't be doctors. Oh, we're not smart enough. Well, mate. we're not smart enough to be doctors. How does being a doctor happen? Um, you have have to have strict parents, man. Really? My Is that parent, what it was? My mum. She just she always wanted me to always wanted me to be a doctor. Always indoctrinating me into being a doctor from a young age. Was your mum or dad any anything to do with medical profession? So my dad was a doctor, right? Okay. And he was a gynecologist for for a long while. Okay. And um, my mum was just like, "Oh, just do what your dad's doing." So there's a video of me. <laughs> just do what your dad's <laughs> doing. <Yeah. Like, there's laughs> no, a, we can't go there. But there's, a, there's a video. <laughs> there's a big joke in there somewhere. There, there's a video of me at six years old, right? Jeremy Beadle. <laughs> Jeremy, hold on, hold on. Jeremy Beadle came to our school, and it was like a little. Interviewing the kids is like a, a weird little thing in retrospect, yeah. And he was like, Oh, what do you want to be when you're older? And like, you know, all the kids were like saying, I want to be like an astronaut, this, that, and the other. And I flat out said, I want to be a gynecologist. <laughs> to Jeremy Beadle. Yeah. Did he and, make a joke? He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't say anything. But looking back, I, I remember everyone laughing in that video and I just didn't get it. But now looking back, I must have been like, looked like some weirdo pervert. Or you, you were some kind of genius comedic <laughs> child. Weirdo child. Yeah, you know what I Not mean? Not comedic. That's weird, mate. Yeah. So he wants to look uh, it up. But yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I just, uh, I think it was one of those things where it was kind of just like, I was just kind of good at like sciences at school and then, you know, it's just like that. So how, how, how many years do you have to study to be a doctor? Did you in particular? So it was six years uni. Wow. Then did a, then you got to do like, like two years in the hospital, like training, but you're, you're technically qualified. In the NHS? In the NHS. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Is that how, how's that happen? Is that, what's that like? Because <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that is a million miles away from working London for a Premier was, League football club. Is that London NHS? London, London, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so over you've at seen the Royal some London. 
Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was good. It's like good for your training and stuff, but it's not working in football. Let's be honest. Yeah. It's like, it's a lot of pressure. It's like a lot of, it's like really like crazy busy. But like, I'll tell you what though, it is nice. Like it's, it's fun. Like you're working other doctors and this, that and the other, a lot of interest in like cases and stuff. Like. So you don't get people coming in with hamstring strains? No, you don't get it. In NHS, I'll just send you home. So well, you walk, you yeah, walked in, you, you walked in, you can walk so out. He's a bit tight. So what did you, so working in London, I can imagine then you get to see some pretty naughty things, you know, where we talking kind of, you know, stabbings and shootings or anything like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, East London, East London can be a rough place, apparently. Yeah. So you, you see, a, I did A&E for, ended up doing that for oh, wow. about two or three years. Yeah. Alongside like sports. And yeah, you see all you see all sorts. Like um, I remember seeing one person. I'm pretty sure this was on the news. One person, A and E, I was working out. I won't I won't shame them with a name. Like this is a great story. They he I saw someone get stabbed in A and E. In the actual. So what happened? Right. <laughs> Didn't have far to go. Though. <laughs> wow. Wait, the thing is though, this is not even hyperbole, right? So what happened was that I'm like up the top of like imagine like there's a room like I'm at the top of the room with this guy who's got having like quite a bad asthma attack, right? And he's one of the mandem, yeah. So he's he's sort of coming through. <laughs> one of yeah, the mandem. You say one of the mandem. I love he's this sort stuff. Of I love you, Duck. He's, I do. He's coming. He's coming through. Okay. And he's um yeah he's coming through. Mandem. He's walking down. But anyway, this guy is having an asthma attack, right? And then as you walk towards the door, there's someone like sitting on a bench. Yeah. So they're facing towards you as you're coming through. And this guy's having like a sickle cell crisis. So he's in pain and like he's just having painkillers and sitting there. Okay. For some reason, they lock eyes. And one of the one that was sitting down was like, what are you looking at? Oh, no. And I was just like, what? They don't know each other. They, I, to my knowledge, they don't know each other. He goes, what are you, uh, what are you looking at? Oh, this, that, and the other. And this escalated to the extent that this guy of sickle cell, he brings out this knife and he swings around. So, so security came. A couple of the nurses were sort of breaking up. I'd, I'd scattered by this point. <laughs> I'm out. I'd, I'm gone, out. I'd gone to get security and dip, right? But I'm watching this. Someone's having an asthma attack. Yeah. The thing is, this isn't, the thing is, I'm not even like hyping up. This is exactly what happened. He, he swings round with this like pocket knife or whatever, slashes him like in the side and then gets taken away, this, that and the other. And I'm sitting there thinking, what a time to be alive. Like, so so in the end, I had to say to this guy, obviously like, you know, he's having his nebula, he's had his nebulizer, he's settled down a bit to stitch him up. I think, how many stitches I put in in, in the end? I think I put at least 16. Wow. In the end, like, all around there, like, it, fortunately it wasn't deep or anything, like slashed him. And I'm thinking to myself, that's what I thought, you know. So, when this, so when this guy rings his mum and goes, I'm having to go in because I'm having an asthma <laughs> attack. And then goes, I've been to hospital, how was it? Yeah, all right, I got stabbed. But it's literally exactly what happened. I'm sh this has, I'm surprised if this wasn't like in the news somewhere yeah, yeah, yeah. or something. But yeah, it's like a known thing in our department, um, which is a very good department otherwise. For anyone is that when you decided you wanted to go into football? <laughs> that was, you know, that was when I was like, I could do this at any stuff. That was exciting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I bet the, um, I bet the drunk people were the worst, weren't they, coming in? To an extent, it depend. It depends. Like uh, one thing I'd say about them coming in was largely they were quite docile by that point. They'd had a long night, so you just put them in like a room and they just sort of sleep, sleep it, off. it off, mate. And like if you're stitching them, they don't move around. They or can't anything. feel it. Yeah. What's, the, what's the worst waste of time for people in the NHS, in A&E particularly? Worst waste of time. Oh, God. <laughs> um, worst waste of time, of which there is quite a few, as much as there are obviously a lot of people doing good things. Worst waste of time is when people come in I feel a bit bad for them, but they come in, right? And they're like, right, um, 
what's the problem? They go, okay, so I've got this pain in my elbow. Right, oh, when did it start? What happened? Oh, I've had it for two, two or three years. And you're like, well, what, 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 bring you, what brings you to a and now. now? Like someone came in the other day, 4 a.m., yeah? He comes, came in and he had pain in his lower back. And I was like, what brings you in at 4 a.m.? He's like, it hurt. I was like, yeah, but it's 4 a.m. Have you seen your GP? He's like, yeah, but the GP did nothing. So I come to A&E. And you get about maybe 5% of your patients a day like that. And you're like, man, I feel like... Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? But you, you try and sort of... Su- tra- what do they call it? A trauma? Because it's like the, the actual incident, like what happened. Yeah, exactly. When you go into triage, it's like, right, what happened? And then it was like, what do they call it? Like the trauma moment or something like that? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the sort of the, mecha- the, the moment of injury, like yeah. the, the, the traumatic bit. So that's what you're expecting to have. So when you get those, you're like... But you know as well, they know and I know. They, I, I think what people think is that they can sort of get around their GP and get straight to a hospital and this, that and the other. And you got to disappoint them and send so, them away. So you, you went from a, a NHS at A&E. And, sorry, you're still in the NHS now. Um, but yeah, but now then you went to, you, we spoke about this earlier, guys. You went to, you worked in a sexual health, health clinic for a bit as well. Yeah, I've worked, yeah. <laughs> Fun of games, yeah? yeah? No, that was, that was, that was, the thing about that, yeah, the class thing about that is no matter what happens, you've got to be truthful. Like to the doc, to get the best stuff, you have to be truthful to the doc. So we basically got this massive pro forma where we have to find out everything about your sexual. What's the man then been up to? Like, yeah. So you'd get like, oh, man, I had this um, this guy come in, right? You get though, you know what you get? You get loads of like sort of youngish guys come in. They're like, oh, I have to go to the clinic because I've had a big weekend. Right? <laughs> I don't know. I can, yeah, I can talk. I've, I've heard your podcast. I talk, talk normally, can't I? Yeah. So they come in and you go, you literally have to ask every question. You've got to ask like, oh, what? type of so-and-so you've had with who, how many people. So you go through and you go, oh, so how many partners have you had this weekend or in the last, three, actually in the last three months? Yeah, and I'll tell you, uh, when was the last time you had it this weekend? They're like, yeah, well, gas, this, that, and the other. I go, was it, you know, penetrative, this, that, and the other? They're like, yeah. Was there any sort of, you know, backdoors, action, <laughs> yes or no? Was there any oral? And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. You go, giving or receiving? They're like, what? <laughs> like, giving or receiving? They're like, Given. <laughs> I was like, that's all right, mate. Like, Each to like, their own, mate. Each to their own, all right? Yeah, you know, you're Have you ever had someone in where you go, uh, you know, I've been to Benidorm for the weekend. Oh, what's your um your activity this weekend? Like 15, 16. Yeah, yeah, I got what maximum I got was 24. What from 24. What? In what? From what? One, one weekend. 24? Yeah, he was a gentleman who'd been to a. a he chem- wasn't a gentleman. He, he'd been to like a chemsex party and he'd been there since. Why is a like, chemsex party? Can we do a freeze frame of that little look you did to the camera there yeah, in a minute, no, guys? That was horrible, Come on, Fuzzy. You, you know what I came to I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's where a group, yeah, all right. I think it's where a group of people kind of like get together, take loads of drugs and just do it. So he'd been there for three or four days. He couldn't quite remember. And he said, but to his knowledge, he'd had 24 partners in that weekend. But it wasn't that, it wasn't that unusual. He didn't seem to be faced by it at all. So I don't know what his regular thing was. Cause I'm, you have to then ask how many partners you've had in the last three months. Obviously it was when I was working there. I don't know if it's changed now. Um, and he was like over a hundred, hundred and something. You're like, Mate, a two dozen weekend sounds yeah. like a heavy, heavy weekend. Yeah, and then you get, um, I had another one, right? I'll tell you one more. We had this business guy, he come in. He's like quite suave, like looking guy. Come in, he's like, oh, doc, I've, I've definitely got a problem sort of down below. So you take the history first for you examine. So you ask questions, you go, oh, have you got a regular partner or a wife or this? Like, no, he's like, yes. 
And then you asked how many partners have you had over the last three months? He said nine. I was like, naughty boy, but yeah, that's yeah. Like, that's <laughs> like, not, like, not, <laughs> not judging this or the other. And he was like, yeah, so it's my wife's oh, it's anniversary or birthday. So I need to get this sorted by then. And that was like in four days. <laughs> yeah. So he takes down his trousers and honestly, it looks like he's got a cauliflower in his mouth. I was oh, like, mate, no. I was like, mate, there's nothing I can do for you. I was like, I don't know what you expect me to do for you here. You need to like, you just need to confess. Like, he's, oh, he's, he's honestly fuming. He's like, oh, I need this and that. And I've heard of this treatment. I said, mate, there's no treatment for that right That's now. That's rotsky. Like, yeah. That is absolute rotsky. For <laughs> birthday, you've got a headache, all right? Wow. Go with that one. Know, mate, you, you, this is going to take weeks, months to get down. <laughs> Oh, what was, what was it like? Yeah, I think he had warts in it, but he had like super warts, like warts on warts. Good experience though. I'd say, I'd say by the sounds of it, it sounds like it stood you in good stead going forward though. Okay. It's, it's like- Yeah, you know, mate, well, any experience is a good experience. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay. You've done, um, you've just literally in the last week or so finished um, Soccer Aid. Soccer Aid, yeah, yeah. So were you, were you the only doc? Were you the official doc? What, what, how does that work? So what happens basically, they all meet up like um, for three or for four or five days beforehand, like in a hotel to build up the event, to do promo and to train. Yeah. So I was a doctor throughout the whole time, basically. Probably and match day. And then on the match day, we had another doctor doing the other team and I sort of represented the England side. So yeah, it was a, it was a good week. I'll tell you what though, most fun week, probably my working year. One of the busiest. Really? One of the busiest, like, what, what, how, like, why, why? Yeah, because there's a lot of people that have um, either not, don't play football regularly, so they go from not training at all to just like, you know, mm. doing three or four days training in a row. Or more commonly, you get people that like, I'll oh, have an exercise, but then in the two weeks building up to soccer aid, I started trying to train again and now my knee hurts, my back hurts, this, that and the other. So myself, the physio team, we're working 10 till 10 pretty much every day. Just That's, treatment, rubbing, just treatment, physio. Treatment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's quite a mad, but what that means though, is that like you get a good relationship with like the participants, the talent as they call them, and that the uh, medical room's kind of heaving. It's kind of a good vibe and this and the other. It's like the little hub, isn't it? Yeah, the med- exactly. To be fair, the medical room sort of in most football clubs is exactly the same. And it's like the, it's like the gathering. It's where people always go. It's like the kitchen in your house. Yeah, it, it is. It's literally it's like the kitchen in your house, yeah. isn't it? It's yeah. where everybody comes. You know that people are going to be getting treatment. The physios, you always get on with the physios as well. You get on with the doctors, people like that. It's a nice little like atmosphere, yeah, isn't it? It's a lovely gross. place kind of thing. It was class. It was and class. What, what were they all like? The boys. So there was boys and girls this year. Wasn't yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, so they're, they're always, isn't there? To be fair. Yeah, last few years, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's boys and girls. But yeah, no, they're all, all firstly all like top people. And I, what I find interesting is like it's the way that like an event or a common goal can bring people together. Like I'm sitting there watching training. We're kind of myself, like um, the Lewins and like other uh, medical staff. We're just watching. You're like, hold on. So you've got Kem from um, Love Island. From Love Island. He's trying to take on Roberto Carlos. <laughs> Roberto Carlos has just backheeled it to Usain Bolt. You know what I mean? And then and H is chasing him down. You know what I mean? The front, and then know? he slid, slid it through to H and H has just put it top bins. He's wicked he is, against, brother, against, against Paddy McGuinness. And you're just like, you're just, it's just like a very like kind of surreal place. Um, also, athletes and musicians, they've got this weird connection. Yeah. I feel like it's always like, 
musicians really respect and would love to be an athlete and athletes yeah. really respect and would love to be a musician. Nice. Like, that a um, lot, don't you? Like, it's, it's, it's a thing. It's def- definitely well, what I've noticed. Look at the NBA, like, um, like LeBron and like Jay-Z, they're like... They're always they're there. Drake, yeah, yeah, all, yeah. Of, yeah, all yeah. of them are there, aren't they? All yeah. the time kind of thing. NFL, yeah. like yeah. NBA, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like that. And it's, and interestingly, like you lot, you people who get, who are born with talent, you get all, you get it all. Like, People like H, even like Chunks, James, but like they can play ball. Tom Grennan, really good footballer. Really, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, he, I think he was a pro when he was younger, though, wasn't oh, he? He must be. He was. I think he, he was a pro. He did. Um, he did YT, and then I think he played for maybe Norwich or Cov or something oh, for a little he? bit as well. Yeah, that makes sense because he so he's a player. Really, really yeah, he's ball. a player. Yeah, and equally, a few of you players can sing. Really, as well. mate. Biggest surprise I had there. Clarence Seedorf. Shut up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what happens is like in the nighttime, everyone there's like a social basically and everyone sort of- Having just, a few drinks and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Nothing that's major. A, that's but, a night out. This sounds incredible. Can like, I get on this please, Doug? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can get him in next year? <laughs> I need <laughs> you to put a word in for me. This sounds like my idea of heaven. You would be, you would have an unbelievable time. And like, they'll all just chill, like, you know, have a few drinks and like sort of get to know each other more, like build up the week. Um, so you get the singers, they bring out the guitar, there's lots of singing. So who was that? Dermot Kennedy like was singing for a bit and then Chelsea Grimes, a few others. And then like I'm sitting there sort of talking to someone else and then someone starts singing Lean On Me, yeah? Proper bass and soul in the voice. I'm like, who is that? Go around the corner, it's Clarence Seedorf. <laughs> no. I'm like, this guy, he could probably, he did a little say, he did some Bob Marley. Did everything. What a ledge. A proper legend. What I'm a like, player mate, as well. You know what I mean? He's won four Champions Leagues and yeah. he's, still, he's singing people out off the, off the, you know what I mean? Oh, off the stage. I need to get me involved in this in a couple oh, of years time. You've got a little voice on you. Yeah. I have not got Are a you? voice on me the whatsoever, Doc. you've ever heard of oh, really? like, tone death. <laughs> tone Awful. Death. I'm a good drinker though. <laughs> there we yeah. are. I'm a yeah. very good drinker. Not bad in goal as well sometimes when you're fit. Yeah. yeah, I could do a bit of the football stuff. <laughs> you're absolutely fine. Your knees are good. You're all good. <laughs> My knees are golden, all right? <laughs> you'd be absolutely you'd be un- golden. You'd be unbelievable on that. I've got years left in me anyway. And what And what about like, so obviously with soccer aids, it's lighthearted not too seriously uh, taken too seriously what about the dynamic in a football club with doctor and players as a general rule you said that you you know the medical room's a bit of a place but a lot of fans think myself included to a point think players do their thing staff do another thing no. what's it like as a doctor what do you club? mean do you think do you think like I get the impression that you and most people think that the doctor sort of has his room and that's, that's what it. You'd think. Like he's he's in his room, and if you need something from the doctor, you'd go and see him. No, go on, explain. Explain. It's, it's not like that at all. And to be fair, you know, from the places I've worked, like if you're in, you're in. You're the team. Everyone has their role. Like Ben, you know, obviously the players, obviously at the top of the sort of food chain. But equally, you're the goalkeeper, but I'm the doctor. But then so so and so's the physio. So you all you all play your part, and we all get kind of treated that way. Like as we said, the medical room kind of like the hub, you know, and particularly if you're a part of the medical team, you get to know a lot about the players, about their families, you know, you help them out, you you take on sort of secrets for, for want of a better word. It's not, it's definitely not like players and the staff. Yeah, they yeah. Look, players look after us as well. You know, if, if, you know, if we've won a big game or something, they'll be like, yeah, come for dinner with us and this, that and the other. Like it's, it's, I, I think, I think a lot of people underestimate how important the doctor is in football clubs because it's almost like they're, they're, they're the psychologist as well. The, you genuinely are, aren't you? You are. You are. You are, have to oversee absolutely everything. So, like I say, on a so just on a day to day basis, for example, Doc will be he'll be roaming around the the physio room. Any injuries that people have got already and they know about, he'll be just going over and it'll be a catch up that day. Mm. How is it? Does it feel any better? Blah blah blah. So he has to do the sports medicine side of it. He also has to do the 
if you're ill, any ailments, kind of stuff like that. You have mm. to prescribe drugs, all that kind of stuff. So he does. He has, and like I say, he has to see the families. He will be talking to play people about this, that, and whatever. He has to understand absolutely everything. It's a massively important job, isn't it, Doc? Well, well, thanks. There you go, mate. Done. <laughs> pod you. done. See you later. All right. Well, Most done. important job at the club. <laughs> it's no. It's like no. I mean, I've, obviously, I like to feel like I play like a role. You know, myself, the physio team, and this, that, and the other. But the the point is, I think people don't people see the end product you know what I mean but to get players on the pitch consistently and playing at a level requires the whole team that you know the sports science physios doctor but obviously the players appreciate that internally the players appreciate that I've never felt like oh I'm trying to get mugged off but I think externally people just think that you get a few in fairness you do get a few I've seen a few players where they're just sort of they, they don't it's almost like they they think they're so because they're footballers a lot of footballers just not a lot of footballers but you do get the odd one with the ego don't you mm. and they, it's like where they bowl in it's just like you guys are here to serve me so they'll walk into the physio room mm. and they're like I've got this injury have a look at it and it's like they want a diagnosis there and then <laughs> sort it now and then and it's like it don't work like that like I'm a human yeah. being just talk to me normally and naturally kind of thing and I'm sure Doc's seen that himself but it is it's not it's not always way but thankfully it is very few, few and far between as well mm. very few and far between and how's COVID been for from a doctor's point of view because Speaking to Fozzie and everything, obviously you've got protocols in place, but it must be a massive headache. It's just a ball ache. It's just a ball ache. Um, it's just like, you know what? At first, it's it's all just developed. At first, it was just like, we didn't, no one really knew what they were doing. Remember like Project Restart, everyone yeah. was coming back in. A lot of, everyone was very nervous about it, but we just had to sort of figure it out on the fly. And all of a sudden, I had to become the, the expert of everything. I had to become the virologist. I had to design, redesign the training ground. Oh, one way system, this, that, and the other. You've got to try and lead by example with masks and explain things and this, that, and the other. Um, it's, it's, I'm sure it's, I think it's calmed down now, but at the time, the last year, it's been really, really difficult um, to execute, uh, you know what I mean? To execute, to get- Well, you had to have the answer. I remember like you say, Project Restart there, you had to have the answers when nobody had the answers. Lit- lit- as in literally no one, we're like the first industry to <laughs> yeah. even try. And get back anything. to normality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, I didn't think about yeah, it yeah, we, we were we, we were pioneering it basically, um, the Premier League and obviously and major leagues around the world. It was literally, bef- people still aren't back to offices, are they now? Yeah, no, no. You know what I mean? So the way we did it within two or three months, we were back. Looking back, you got to say fair play yeah. to finish that season and to get another season going. The first game televised back after the um, lad that scored the first goal was Corona, wasn't it? Who? Where? His surname. Like, I remember the first game that I watched back. True. Please tell me I that. You're making this up. You, you are making this up. Someone fact check it because I can't Where? Be not in England. Frank's saying no, that's not true. <laughs> you are making this up like made, you wouldn't believe. Made that up. Um, Doc, do, um, say say like you're in a social setting, right? Yeah, yeah, and you're you're somewhere, wherever, and like you're with a couple of friends or whatever, and then you meet somebody else you've never met them before. And they will go, oh, this is, this is Matt, he's a doctor. Have you, no, not have you, I'm sure it happens. But do, when you meet new people, do they ever say to you, oh, you're a doctor, are you? And you'll go, yes. And then they'll go, can you just have a look at this, please? <laughs> yeah, all fun. Yeah, that's literally all the time. You get, Do you, they? One of the two things. You either go, are you a doctor? Oh, no, I don't believe you. You get that. And then you just I go, don't believe that, you. That happens, that happens, Why that, not? That, I don't know. That, I, oh, you don't look like a doctor. I'm, I, I don't what know what I mean. But I get that's probably around 40% of the time. And then the six, 55% of the time is that. Like, 
oh, can you just feel this lump? The other day, it was it happened in soccer. I won't name the name, but someone's like someone was someone high profile person introduced me to their wife, and they go, oh, is your doctor? Oh, mate, I've been meaning to get to a doctor about this lump. I mean, I'm feeling their neck like in the middle no. of this middle of this like thing, and I, I've, you know, what I mean, it just probably looked a bit funny as well. But you get that often. Oh, can you just have a look at this? Oh, what's that? Oh, I had this situation. Oh, what do you think of that? Oh, Oh, can you just run me a prescription? That's the funny one. Oh, like, that's like, the one no, I bet. That's that's that. Don't stop no. telling my secrets, mate. <laughs> we don't talk about this, all right? Yeah. So you, you get you get that, yeah. And um, what have you have you ever seen? Kind of, you know, when obviously anybody now, if they got any kind of injury, illness, or they feel this, that, or whatever, they'll just go on Google. They'll go on Google <laughs> and they will <laughs> scare the living daylights of them out of themselves. Yeah, but uh, the problem is though, it can be common cold a cut elbow and the answer is always cancer dead you're basically you're dead. dead you're dying unlucky <laughs> yeah yeah that's, that's the thing but and the, you know what the thing is of that right is like going on google and sort of getting an impression is fine but if you go on google and then you you've decided it's google before you see me so if, if someone's like google something yeah and that's go, no it's actually that it's some will go okay thank you you've reassured me but most will go yeah but how's you know and you're like yeah, I know because oh, but you haven't even scanned me. You haven't even done blood tests. I'm like, yeah, but that's what like our trading's for. So they're just like, and yeah. they, they just won't have it. Like, Do you ever have someone go like, but Google said? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what they'll lead with. They're like, oh, I saw online this. They'll print, I've seen, I've had printouts. Do they really oh, challenge you and stuff? And yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think to be fair, like because just the nature of the NHS and the system, some people feel like as doctors were holding back on them, like oh, we're trying to save money on scans, save money on this and that. So they feel like they have to go in strong to try and get what they need. So I, I, I actually understand yeah, that. Yeah, you can understand you know it. I, I can relate to that. Yeah. Because I actually, this is probably going to be one of the patients that you hate. I went, I don't go. I don't hate doc. any patients. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> just, just saying. <laughs> doc hates everyone. It's fine. <laughs> everyone. Um, no, I went in and I go in very, very infrequently, but I kind of went in and I like, had stored three things up and I was like, Right, so I've got this, that, oh, yeah, that guy. and that. But they, and I felt like I had a, a selling job on them. I was like, I had a PowerPoint out going, like, you know, what I've got here is, but um, that must frustrate you. Yeah, people, you know, and I, I actually completely understand it because it's just the nature of the industry, of like the, the system. They feel like, oh, you know, they've got to make sure it's important. And I do tell my colleagues, I say, listen, like, sometimes when you think something's a waste of time, to that person who's not a doctor, yeah. the same like if I bring in an electrician and a plumber, they might come into my house and go, mate, you just, it's just the fuse is gone. But to me, I didn't know. Yeah, I'm going like, to clue. Come on, tell me the biggest This one. is a good story. And that's a story, I don't know if you know it. I won't name the name, right? But there was a certain individual, right? Okay, towards the end of the season, this player got like a minor injury, okay? But he's called up for international duty, okay? So he's gone. He's gone. He said he's just going to be with the team because he, you know, he wants to stay in contention. Minor injury, what? Minor injury, minor injury, little muscle injury, you know, he could could continue. So he goes. So I get a WhatsApp from like a mate um, with like a news story saying like, oh, so-and-so's got injured on international duty. And I was like, oh, I didn't know about that. I didn't know he's not supposed to be playing. Okay, fine, right? So call up the doctor, um, international doctor, and I say, what happened? He goes, so he's got this injury, blah, blah, blah. So we go, okay, so what's the plan? So the plan, so he said, okay, we'll decide the plan. So left it for a bit. Um, Basically, it transpired. He told us, we, I then talked to the player. The player said, I'm going to stay here and rehab. Okay. So I was like, great. Okay. We'll catch up in a couple of weeks. Enjoy being in your home country and with your team. Okay. 
Right. Okay. Two weeks passed. Cool. <laughs> Two weeks passed, right? We call the doctor of that team to be like, I oh, know we didn't get an update. The doctor goes, he told us he's gone back to the club to rehab. Oh, <laughs> oh this is brilliant. No. Right? So we were like, what? <laughs> so this player, like we uh, calling him this, that and the other, completely MIA. Does he live Mauritius com- by any chance? Completely MIA, completely MIA. Eventually you have to go to the club and the club like somehow contact the agent who contacts the player. Player calls up fuming this, that and the other. Oh, you know, you've you've told the club about what I've done. I'm going to get fined now, you know, this, that and the other. We're like, where are you? He goes, oh, I'm in Miami. <laughs> I know exactly who this is. You, and it is world class. <laughs> what a story this is. I was like, Miami, what have you been doing? He's like, yeah, I've been rehabbing in Miami. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> we're like... <laughs> Two weeks in Miami. How good is he it? Like three kilos. He'd been in Miami for three and a half weeks. No, we have it. Yeah, so he come back. We do. We re, we repeat the scan. It's like the duttiest sky. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like because people think we don't know. It's like you see it. It's just like eight centimeter scar. Like no rehab, no nothing, no like muscles come back. Uh, yeah, and then I. Enough. That's world class. Yeah, that that is really. Up. I do remember that actually. Yeah. That's very very good. I know you know who it is. I was proud of him as well. <laughs> proud of him. <laughs> right. Okay, Doc. So what are you doing now? So you're not at Watford anymore. So what are you doing now then? Yeah, I'm working. Um, I'm working in international football at the moment. I'm working with some of the development teams for a, for an international team. So that's a, it's a good change. It's a good so change. development team. What age is that? So I'm mainly for the under 16s. So as they're coming through, I've done a bit of under 17 stuff. So hopefully, if obviously I. I'm lucky enough to stay on. It'll be like a cycle, they call it. So you do 16s, 17s, 18s. They'll do, you know, international tournaments and stuff. So looking forward to like a different challenge. What's the difference between working in that arena compared to working in a Premier League football club? With men, obviously working with like a full squad of sort of senior players as opposed to working with a 16, 15, 16 year old. Yeah, um, it is different. It's, it's it's different. I think the main difference is the emphasis. The emphasis is on development rather than results necessarily. Obviously, you still want the results. But whereas in sort of first team men's football, it's 100% all about the outcome, Result all about driven. results. Whereas I'd say it's about 60% here and the rest is, you know, did they play well? Are they healthy? Are they fit? How are they developing? Things like that. So that, that's the major difference. And that allows us to takes the pressure off a little bit allows us to make sure we're doing things you know structured and in the right way and you know not taking too many risks so it's like it's a it's a different kind of setup for me as well having said that I think the big challenge is going to be in an international tournament because I think what will happen when the emphasis switches so quickly um, from development to having to win having to get through games I don't first I don't know for some of these players that might be new to them and secondly getting so many games in a short period of time with younger athletes um, the pressures on myself and the physio team and the things we have to do will change you know Um, because if they've got a knock now in like sort of friendly camps you kind of send them back to the club you do bits and send them back to the club but if you're abroad and you're on a tournament and you've got a game in two days you know questions then start to be asked okay what risk level is tolerated what do you think the issue is x y and z and then it's back to all the stuff we spoke about earlier, about sort of long-term, middle-term, short-term, right now, you know, and 
These are the type of, those are the type of decisions that um, have you even at that age at sixteen? Do you see any kind of little divas? Anyone wanting excess sort of treatment or kind of like the same like say the same sort of thing? I've been told it might be this. So do you know what I mean? Can you treat it or something? So far, to be fair, so far they've been quite good. They've been quite humble and respectful. I've been told that when they break through, when you get the youngsters who've broken through to the first team, then it might get a bit tricky. These guys are at the moment, they're 15, 16. They're really still like kind of green and they haven't trained with the first team. They're, they, they're not getting that star treatment at their club. So they're not really expecting anything um, on the international camp. Like I, I got the ultrasound out the other day to scan someone and they were like, oh, what's that? And I was thinking in my head, and know, that was every day, isn't it? That was yeah, every day at sure. Watford. So interesting to see how they develop because, you know, it's one, definitely one or two stars in the, in the group and when they come through and start playing for the first team. Yeah, that would be interesting when, they when, when they're on frigging, you've got 17, 18 year olds on 20 bags a week. <laughs> exactly, exactly. When and they're going, just give me it, all right? Just shut up and give it me. And there's yeah. you done frigging six years at uni. It's all over game ready. It's one on yeah. each limb. And you just want to get them and go, ah, oh, you little dickhead. It's when they go from their little backpack to the wash bag. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Louis yeah, Vuitton yeah, one. To their LV wash bag. You're like, oh, okay, they've okay. made it. Then. Yeah. Big time now, big yeah. time now. Right, Doc, we've got a couple more things to chat about. Cool. When you talk just then about long-term injuries, this is something me and Fozzie had a good chat about because um, it's really interesting to hear your perspective on it. Heading the ball in football and concussions. Very topical at the moment. Very topical. Very topical. Yeah, massively. What's your thought process on this? Have you have you had to have some sort of input or been spoke about this or talk about this or anything? Um, well, not regarding... Um, not regarding like the, the bigger picture, yeah. but I get a lot of questions about it, actually. Only people that haven't asked me about it actually is footballers. I don't know. I don't know what the sort of intra-footballer thoughts on it are, but within like the sort of the medical profession, we're doing a lot of research. I've been invited to do some research on it and there's lots going on. My thoughts on it are genuinely, I don't know because two reasons. Firstly, um, I don't know how much you can compare football how it was to how it is now. Yeah. Like I did actually did a video on my YouTube channel about this recently. Interesting facts to note, like for example, back then when they used to use the raw leather hide football on these really wet pitches, by the end of the game, the weight of the ball was twice what it started, twice. Wow. That right. is and they were heavier balls anyway. Heavy, and they were heavier balls. And that is like crazy to think about. Yeah. And then if you also think about sort of the way the game's played, particularly at the top level, Probably less heading than there was, and this, that, and the other. So I don't know if the research from before can be applied to the footballer of now. Yeah. With that having been said, the research is there, and it says that there's an association between football heading the ball and being three, four, five times more likely. Wow. To get them, like, fight. That's like that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Because you know I mean? yeah. it's not an uncommon thing anyway. It's, it's it's not an uncommon thing anyway. So for it to for footballers to have that increased risk is very unusual and a bit disturbing. So it's one of those where as a league, as like sort of a medical body, what, what do you do? Like, do you say, ah, oh, it's probably not and leave it. And then you get another cohort of footballers with dementia or do you do something now? So at least, you know, try something, mm. see if you can do something, be the guy who makes the tough decisions now about limiting heading but then in 20 years, that's kind of the convention. That's the culture. It would it's, be a completely different sport, it, it? it? would be, but... Completely. I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, the one group I haven't really heard from before, it might be my fault for not doing the research, is the players I'm interested in. 
Um, I honestly think with time, they're going to try and phase out heading as much as they can. Um, if I was just to predict, this is just my pure opinion. I reckon there'll be a future where it's only heading on set pieces. That's, uh, that's what I reckon. Because okay. I'm trying to think, um, that's just me sort of reasoning what the balance would be between okay. completely cancelling heading versus sewing, you know, versus... It's interesting because I'm, being a goalkeeper, it's not something I've ever had to worry about. I don't head the ball yeah. ever. Do you know what I mean? But I, th I think... I see in training like obviously because it's so topical and it's made me sort of it's put, perked my interest a little bit so I make a point of watching out for how much people will actually head, head the, the ball, ball yeah. and in training they are still heading it an awful lot do you know what I mean especially the centre-backs mm. strikers might do a little bit of it when it comes to sort of finishing yeah, or yeah. in games but the majority is the centre-backs is the defenders do the team playing, playing against Tony Pulis yeah and they're, and, but they are they're, 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 they're not just heading little light balls yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about the way at the ball I'm talking lumped balls yeah, like yeah. balls from the goalkeeper down to the like, 80 yards up the pitch and stuff like that and so look at the way corners are taken these days they're absolutely whipped they're in all sorts whipped driven in, you yeah. know, the, and the research has done it remember there was like a research study where they put like mouth guards on players just to see the amount of force that's going through the head and, and they think that the forces going through their head are you know unacceptable yeah. unacceptably high so like I, I honestly don't know I don't know where it's going and I don't know I don't know what you do with that data, but the more data you have, it's just very difficult to ethically- To, intra to interpret ignore it. it. Yeah, to, yeah, you know, exactly. It's, 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 e it's easy from an armchair to be like, oh, he's ruining the game. Everyone should, you know, but but if, you, if you're in charge of looking after the players, looking after the sport, you've got big decisions to make. So I understand it both ways. Heading, removing heading from the game will change the game. And I think it'll be very difficult for certain teams and certain styles of play. Yeah. Um, and it would really start to favour sort of the bigger, more technical teams. But you can't do nothing yeah. if you think there's a risk. You know what I mean? Like if in 30, 40 years, the colleagues you worked with, the defenders you worked with, good mates, at 50, 60, start losing their memory and stuff, you know, Scary, you'd, huh? you'd, you'd, you know, you'd start thinking, well, you know, all the stuff they did, was it worth it? Was it, you know, so... I'm I'm a big proponent for player care because I think players give a lot and a lot is expected of them. So I'm a big proponent that we need to do our little bit to make sure they're all right. We, type uh, thing. One, one another thing that I think is quite topical as well is um, is uh, concussion. So yeah. being a, being a player myself, I it, it's such a difficult one for doctors and medical people to try and. Um, sort of police really I suppose yeah, because I've seen it in games where people have been knocked out players have been actually knocked out you can tell they've gone you mm -hmm. can see their eyes roll in the back of their head they've gone and they've carried on and played the game people the, the medical team have come onto the pitch and are you okay yeah were you out no mm. it looked like you were out you were you know what I mean no I'm fine but the player this is where the responsibility will fall on the player but it's difficult because a lot of people a lot of players especially are just more like no I'm fine just crack on with it yeah. kind of thing it's 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 really difficult but to be fair like we've really tried so first we've got Hawkeye now so Hawkeye basically there's for those who don't know like each each club you normally have to have a doctor on the bench but like another doctor like uh, like in a room somewhere yeah. looking at replays exactly so they look at the replay so nowadays we'll get a radio through if the player was knocked out. That's interesting. Yeah, so, yeah. so that, so that, that. Yeah, so that will help us. And secondly, it's about player education and coach education. Like ho I'm hoping, if not now, in the next few years, the days of players wanting to stay on after being knocked out uh, are gone. You know what I mean? Like 
that they can hold their hand up and say, listen, I'm pretty sure I was KO'd there. Like, let me just step out of this game. And then equally, the coaches know that, you know, they're not just throwing in the towel. No, they were knocked out. This is like a real thing. I had one, um, I don't know if you were, I don't know if you were doctor at the time, but I had one a couple years ago. It was against um, Leicester at Watford and they played a quick free kick. It's you and Vardy. It it? was me and Vardy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, And it was, um, they played a quick free kick. Jamie Vardy's come, made a run, sprinted in. I've come out to come and punch it. Um, I've got the punch on it, but he didn't see me coming. So we've clashed heads. He's actually banged my jaw. Give me a big old cut on the jaw. Um, But I kind of, as I'm falling down, I almost think I blacked out a little bit, but Mm. I wasn't sure. I didn't know. Um, And I remember you lot coming on the pitch and you were like, you're right. And I was like, yeah, I think so. And you went, did you black out? And I was like, no, but I kind of, I said no. I remember saying no, no, but I wasn't sure. But then afterwards, I kind of, I was talking to, to my wife about it on the way home and stuff. And um, she was like, well, what happened? I saw that, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. She was like, are you sure? And I'm like, I think so. Yeah. But like genuinely that for me is, it's the same sort of thing though. I'm that ilk. Yeah. I'm that ilk where I will want to just play, play on. on. I will yeah. want to just play on. But I think we have to start talking about it seriously though. Yeah. Because the more you talk about it, the more, like you say, in future people might, it might happen to somebody else and they might have heard this conversation or another conversation and gone, yeah, I should have just come off or I will come off. If something happens again, I will come off. Yeah. And I, and I think um, not to, not to sort of transfer the responsibility, but I think the, the power can come from like the social proofing of player to player. Like, you know what I mean? Like if it gets to a point where obviously you're like an older player now. So if you, I'd think, I'd like to think like if you're left back for, they were knocked out and was trying to be brave. You'd be like, no, you've been an idiot. Just yeah, I think I would now. You know what I mean? I think I would. That one instance has really changed my perspective. I, I remember it. I remember that clash and I remember actually asking for the video of, I've probably still got it on like an old laptop or whatever. I was looking through it. That was a hefty clash yeah. actually, but you seem to kind of recover well. But yeah, again, it's like, it's really, really tough. Like I dread to think what doctors are going through in rugby. <laughs> like, oh yeah. It's, like, That's a different thought. conversation. I, I wow. To, uh, <laughs> I think it's the good, the bad, and the rugby. James Haskell yeah. and um, and uh, he was saying about when he finished, and he was in bits. I think he paid himself private to not by the club, you know, for scans. Himself. I think it was, scans. I think he no, I think he had like new hip or new knee. Oh, okay. It oh, was like new. It was I can't, I can't quite remember, yeah. but it was like, and they were talking about it, and like they talked to him and another player, and were kind of saying. It wasn't really talked about, but he said he was having to peel himself out of bed every oh. single day in bits and it wasn't spoken about. And then I think when he retired, they'd said about, oh, did you? And he goes, oh, I was exactly the same. They were like, oh, Jesus Christ. Mm. Well, at least I'm not the only one. And why didn't yeah. we Why didn't we do, like, tell each other it, about yeah. it? Or something, but. But, but as a player though, it must be difficult for you guys. I've not really had a conversation with a player like this. So this is interesting for me too. Like at what point do you think I'm... I'm going to give up my career, what I've done my whole life. You know what I mean? Like how, what level of pain and like, if you think, okay, I wake up with pain, but I can play through it, but is it the right thing to play through it? Probably not, but it's my career. So I'll make my, my bread, you know, like I don't think that's what it is. I don't don't think, I don't think it, I don't think it enters your mind to think I'm going to stop. I don't think it Mm. does because you're constantly thinking about, that next contract where's that next contract going to come from do you know what I mean not necessarily probably Premier League but I'm sure lower leagues especially where you're thinking if I don't play and my stats for playing aren't up there high another team won't want to sign me at the end of the season well, what so if you're that- a League 2 player uh, um, let's say a middling league, league 2 player 
you're not earning 10 grand a week. No, God no. Nowhere near that. And you think, what's the backup plan? Because actually, rugby is interesting where we are at Mill Street. You get some of the Wasps lads in and a lot of them, um, I think the club are really big on um, development and, and developing their other skill sets. I know some of them are plumber, uh, working as, like, training as plumbers, um, like solicitors mm. and all that kind of thing. But if you're like a League Two footballer, I don't think that's as common in the football industry, is it? No, for sure. It's like mm. you just put all your eggs in one basket and hope that you might at some point get that big move, but that big contract. 28, 29 and you're struggling. <sighs> What are you what are you going to do? It's tough. And as a doctor, I don't know if it's my place to say, mate, you should retire. Like, I don't. I can give the information. I think. I think I can give the information and say your body is getting battered. And I think maybe maybe more doctors and physios should have like maybe like a yearly checkup or something, a review, and just like a yearly medical or every two years or something and say, listen, this has changed for this. You've had five injuries in the last season. Just keeping you up to date, but. Again, I don't know if that then undermines the confidence of the player. I, I genuinely don't know. It's a really tough yeah, you've got type to of thing. It almost, you know? like, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's difficult. Yeah, it's okay, let's leave the let's leave the serious stuff. We always have to have a little bit of serious. I, I like it though. It's nice. Um, YouTube. Yes. Talk YouTube. to me about Doc in the arena. Yeah, mate. Like, you know, it was, you know what it was? I just... For a start, it was for two reasons. So basically, I started up this YouTube channel um, while I was working with you, actually. And I was just getting so many questions about different things during COVID time in particular. How's this going to work? How's that going to work? Just from friends, family, X, Y, and Z. So it was the first time in my life I thought, people are actually quite interested in what I do, that kind of side of it, outside of just the games, just the further, further information. So I thought maybe um, talking about like the medical aspects, the physical aspects, might be an interesting way to go. Um, but it wasn't actually until after I watched the the Last Dance, that documentary, and it's talking about all the mental side mm. of like Michael Jordan and this, that and the other, that I just thought after that, because he was so like amazing on a mental level, I actually then just independently did my own research and like, oh, is this like really a thing? Like how much can your mental side affect your physical side? And then there was loads of research about it. And when I was reading, I was like, mate, I've got to share this with someone. Like, I was like reading it thinking, oh, this is so interesting. So then I just I just started it up basically and um, got a little bit of traction. And I realized that I think people, uh, people, like, people who like sports and who like physical activity, if you like it, you just kind of like all aspects of it. It all yeah. adds to the picture. Well, that's you know why, what I mean? we've, why we've got you on today really, Doc, yeah. isn't it? Because people want to see the inside track. They want to see the doctor's perspective, the physio's perspective, the, the you know, chief exec, every aspect of it. The bus driver's perspective. <laughs> big Basler. Shout out, Big Basler. I the day, 27K. Yeah, I was like, oh my God, Basler's killing it. So you realise that, and as well, like, I was consuming a lot of YouTube and you think actually after a while, you're like, why not be a producer as well? Yeah. You know what I mean? Why, ju why just consume? You know, like if you think you're useful, because a lot of people just, you know, they go on YouTube for whatever. But if you feel like, actually, I've got a skill set here, I've got an interest, like let me contribute to like the YouTube community, yeah. like in another way. Like I I love YouTube. So I thought, you know, the contribute is like, cool. It's, it's really good content. Like I was watching it and I, I look at it and go, uh, you know, I'm not, obviously we're not medical people, but I look at it and say it's broken down in a way. For the layman terms. Yeah. Layman. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah but I can understand it in its entirety. Yeah. And because it's related to sport and Conor McGregor and you go, okay, that's interesting. And um, Christian Eriksen, all of the big sporting injuries you'll cover 
Yeah, and yeah. it's just really interesting. It's, yeah, it's, it's not good. really out there, you, is you're it? Not, you're not sitting at home or you're waiting for the next big injury. <laughs> no, you're buzzing. And when you hear about it, it goes, yes, come on, let's get in the studio now. <laughs> no, no, no. You know what? Now, actually, I had a little, uh, a little chat with you actually uh, a month or so ago, actually, gave me a little pep talk. And I think I'm now just sort of opening up my mind to just talk as people just like sport. They like talking about football. They like talking about So I just sort of open up my opinions to things and from my point of view and yeah, things. Obviously, I'm going to say I think it's interesting. <laughs> it is, but guys. I think it contributes. You know what I mean? I think it adds something. So, nah, yeah, like good. I say, we'll we'll put a link in the description down below. Go over and have a little look at some of his videos. Some of the biggest injuries in the last couple of years, he's made a video of them, broken them down, told us exactly how they happened, why they happened, why they might have happened, and how they're going to recover from it. It's a belter, isn't it? Brilliant. Doc, Cheers. enjoyed that, mate. I really enjoyed it. Oh my goodness. I'm, you're lucky you get to do this every week. I know, it's fast, isn't it? <laughs> that Content creator, youngest Premier League doctor ever. Absolute legend. Doc, yeah. thanks for coming in, no, mate. I really Brilliant. appreciate it. Before really we appreciate go, before it. we go, we need to do Up the Fozcast. Up the Fozcast. Up the Fozcast. Up the Fozcast. Another poshy. Posho. Fozcast. Oh, sorry. Posho. Up the Fozcast. See you guys. We'll see you next time. Brilliant.